Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here to cover everything from Wisconsin athletics. The up and down season for Wisconsin basketball continues. We'll get into that Ohio State recap first. And then in the back half of the episode, we're going to continue our position previews. And this this episode, we're going to cover the linebacker position. Obviously, a position that Wisconsin historically and over especially over these last few years has turned out some quality players and usually fills in behind them with some quality guys and that's kind of the situation that this linebacker crew had this year and and coming into next year so I'm excited to talk about the position because there's a lot to talk about in that group but first Matt how you doing today I'm doing great how you doing man good it was a nice uh, big win on Saturday for the Badgers obviously we all were were excited knowing that this team was going to be at home and it seems like at home is the magic recipe for this entire conference but really you know we've talked about this team so many times of of playing good on one side of the basketball struggling on another struggling away you know away from home but being great at home this time they came out and really i think played some of their best basketball we've seen all season and Obviously, it was indicative on both ends of the floor because Ohio State really could not get anything going score-wise, and they, they they didn't really have a lot of answers for the Badgers' just ability to knock down shots. Yeah, I thought the Badgers did a good job on both ends of the court. Um, I thought the defensive intensity was really good. Holding Ohio State to under 60 points uh, at 57 is, is really good because this Ohio State team, for all of their ups and downs, similar to Wisconsin, they're still you know a team that's had some really signature wins this year this year uh, in the non-conference and, and have been um, one of the teams that you've got to look out for because they have talent. They have uh, the Wesson brothers who are very good. Um, and I, but I thought that they just really good. You saw a guy like Aleem Ford really step up, Micah Potter get in the starting lineup, play some good balls. So I thought it was definitely, um, you know, a positive after there was some negativity flowing in through the veins of most fans after that uh, Minnesota lost where they just got kind of thumped so I thought this was much needed and it was a big win for Wisconsin because they need to hold serve and win these games at home uh, and try to steal a couple on the road going forward yeah exactly I mean that's something that the Badger you know faithful I know that they were obviously have been rightfully so upset from that Minnesota game but to bounce back in the way they did and and put up 70 points really I mean a dominating first half defensively second half things not necessarily let up when you had a big 18 point lead at halftime that's that's going to catch up with you at, at some point but really it was a, it was a solid effort on both sides of the ball uh you talked about Aleem Ford Brevin Pritzel was excellent that's probably one of his best career games when you look at what he's he's gone through obviously the ups and downs of his career and and obviously I know last year he, he had some issues with confidence and, and shooting the ball regularly he had he had no hesitation firing away on Saturday afternoon and it was a welcome sign because the Badgers need for you know with the departure of Kobe King they need guys that come off the bench and contribute and Brevin Pritzel really did that in in a big way yeah I thought the bench was just uh, a miraculous thing I thought they came out and played really well 30 points off the bench 
Brevin Pritzel actually led the team in minutes, which was um, something that you wouldn't have expected coming into that game. But, you know, he was five of six from behind the arc with 19 points, really played extremely well. Um, and I also thought that Trevor Anderson played really well. You know, he had eight points uh, in 14 minutes, really did some nice nice uh, things on the offensive end um, to kind of help this team. Both of them were uh, over plus 17 for the game. And I, I think this was a big win because it was just another one of those quad wins that I know uh, the tournament really looks into. It's kind of one of those buzzwords, but now they have seven quad wins, which is uh, only, only less than Kansas Baylor and Seton hall, which are all going to be teams that are um, Baylor and Kansas are projected one seeds and Seton hall is I think a two or three last time I saw. So it's definitely a big win for the team and for them to kind of go on that huge burst at the end of the first half um, and then try to figure things out in the second half after they had struggled. They kind of did the old Jordan Taylor, pound the air out of the ball and, and try to score at the very end. But they were able to kind of weather that uh, a, a few droughts and, and get a big W uh, was huge. And it was it was one that they definitely needed. Yeah, they really did. And, you know, just coming off of that Minnesota loss, you knew that this game was going to really be, you know, not a make or break one by any means, because you talked about the seven quad one wins, which leads the Big Ten. So that's, you know, they're in a great spot already in terms of seeding. It's not like they're they're playing for their lives or anything. But if you get on a cold streak and you lose two, three games in a row, you know, if you drop games that you're supposed to win at home, that can really start to push you closer to that edge because there's a lot of teams that are that are vying for those you know 68 spots but there's also a lot of big 10 teams and, and the big 10 is only going to get so many in in the last bracketology report i wrote they had 11 in so it shows the depths of the conference and obviously that benefits you in a big way but at the same time if you start to drop games that you shouldn't drop especially games at home against a team that you you already beat on the road you should take care of business at home so it was it was really important and now it just becomes a matter of making it happen multiple games in a row and obviously Nebraska is is one of the dumpster fires of the Big 10 but it's still a road game and that's still something that no matter no matter the building that you're in no matter how the team's struggling you got to watch out for it. just on the road in this conference is dangerous no matter what yeah, for sure. And and that's why you, it was so important for Wisconsin to to take care of business at home against Ohio State. Uh, and going to Nebraska is going to be tough just because they're going to be really fired up wanting it on a Saturday. Um, usually Wisconsin's been pretty good on weekend games. Uh, they've been really good when it's at home on a weekend game, but they've been pretty good in when the lights are shining brightest. Um, but you see in the Big Ten, a lot of teams kind of streaking right now, going through really big highs like Maryland and Penn State and Purdue, but then you have big lows like Indiana losing four in a row or you have uh, Michigan State losing three in a row. So it's it's one of those things where you, you can't let it compound itself. Otherwise, you see what happened with Michigan State where they fell all the way from in the power rankings from number one all the way down to, to number four in the rankings. And it's kind of, it's telling with um, how things are kind of shaking out that teams are starting to find a rhythm. And Wisconsin wants to be one of those teams that's doing that because they've got a schedule. We've talked about it a little bit here that they've got a schedule in front of them that they can make some stuff happen. If they can get this win over um, Nebraska, they're set up nicely to, to be able to, to make some noise down the stretch with a game versus Purdue and Rutgers at home, and then you're, you've got at Michigan still. So that stretch of four games here could really help them out uh, if they're able to win you know, three out of four, which I think is totally um, unquestionably something that they could do. 
Yeah, they could certainly do that, and and that's probably got to be their goal when you look at the schedule and and the way it sets up. I mean, obviously there was the Badgers are I I think they're at seventh in the Big Ten standings right now, so some some hills to climb, but there's there's not a huge gap between kind of that middle cluster of teams. You know, Purdue is one that's coming up on the schedule after that Nebraska game. They are you know tied for at seven and six in the conference. Michigan State. Uh, another game ahead and then you've got the you know the group of Rutgers Iowa Penn State Illinois and Maryland who, who've been playing better but really only two games in that so when you look at this conference as a whole where each night out is a grind each night out is a struggle you know really Maryland is kind of the only one that separated it but they're still sitting at the conference at, at nine and three so those those first four positions in terms of the the Big Ten tournament are, are obviously crucial to get that double buy and and right now that's still within striking distance. Obviously, a lot of work to do to get to that point, but they the Badgers have probably one of the more favorable schedules left in in all of the Big Ten. So that's that's still a goal and aspiration this team should be looking for. Yeah, for sure. I think and I think that it's totally within reach when you also include that they still have home games with Minnesota and Northwestern. I mean, that's that's pretty good if you're looking for, hey, we've got a lot of our rest of our schedule at home against teams who are towards the bottom tier of the conference, like even Indiana, Michigan. Um, those are teams that you should beat. If you really are um, looking to make a run, they're not out, it's not out of the question that they could get in one of those top four seeds and get the double buy like you mentioned. That would be obviously crucial. I mean, just to get to that point makes a big difference because you avoid that extra game in those in the Big Ten tournament, which is, is creeping up on us. Obviously, March is, is getting close, but that that extra day of rest to keep legs fresh makes a big difference when you're when you're playing in that conference tournament and trying to improve your seating. Obviously, the, the you know the tournament is set usually before the Big Ten title game. But if you can pick up two, three wins in, in the conference tournament, that can really boost your resume and, and move you along and, and get you maybe in a more favorable spot or region. So all these games, as they get on the stretch, I think the Badgers, unless they went on a, a seven-game you know cold streak here, I think they're in the tournament. It's just a matter of of trying to improve their seed and get away from maybe those those one-two lines, which are obviously the dangerous ones when you know the last – bracketology report that I wrote they were the eight seed uh taking on the number one overall seed in Baylor so if you can start winning these games it starts to mean a little bit more big picture than what it maybe seems like right now yeah and I, th- I think if if Wisconsin does want to make a run they want to um chip away at some some of the uh Big Ten standings I think it's going to come from guys like Aleem Ford and Brevin Pritzel who are get- seeing an expanded role now with Kobe King gone they, they've taken advantage of it. I think Aleem Ford's been playing his best basketball of his career as of late. I think you, you saw what Nate Reavers and Micah Potter could do. They both had almost identical statistics between the two of them, which is nice because they can kind of flow back and forth between them. They got to get a, a little more consistency from the guard play. I think Dimitri Tristo is distributing really well, but they, they need to do a better job uh, at, on the defensive end and coming out firing right away um, for a full 40 minutes against uh, Nebraska because that's that's not going to be an easy venue to play in, uh, no matter how uh, struggling that team is right now. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, you, know, you talked about the guard play and Demetric Trice. Uh, the other one that's obviously struggling right now is Brad Davison, only four points in the contest at Minnesota and then four points in the contest against Ohio State, what have you what have you maybe seen from him or, or made of his last couple games that 
not necessarily has you concerned, but it's clear that he might be in a slump coming off that suspension and trying to get back into the groove of this team and offense in in somewhat of a new role. When you think of the you know departure of Kobe Kings, that moves everybody else's pieces around, and it seems like Brad Davidson is maybe struggling to find his fit right now. Yeah, I think that's you. You hit it the nail on the head there in terms of trying to find uh, his fit within the puzzle that is the Wisconsin offense. So I think he needs to um, continue to be aggressive, hunt his shot. Um, but I think he also needs to work to try to get to the rim. He's at times, especially his freshman year, he showed that he could get to the rim a little bit more. Um, he's been more reluctant to do that. He's been settling for for jumpers. That's really not his game um, all the way. You know, he was over four from from behind the arc. I mean, Wisconsin, you know, threw up 32 different uh, three-point shots. So I, I think that's pretty telling. But I think if as long as him or Pritzel are kind of hitting, um, they'll be okay. But they can't have it to where both those guys go cold because if that happens, they're in trouble because Anderson, for as good of a backup point guard as he is and a guy, a key piece off the bench, he's not the athlete that they that they need uh, at the shooting guard position. And so they, they need to be able to um, get some scoring output from the shooting guard position. Both Pritzel and Davison can do it. It's just a matter of making sure that at least one of those guys is on. And man, if they can get both of them going, uh, this this offense is a lot more dynamic because Dimitri Trice has been distributing the ball really, really well as of late. Yeah, he has. And you you hit the nail on the head. But the, when those two are clicking, this offense is really clicking. And especially at one or the other, with you had Pritzel last game, that makes a big difference because there's really only uh, – it's an eight-deep roster. They're not going deeper than, than Tyler Wall and Trevor Anderson off the bench with Pritzel. So you only have a, a few guys. And if two of them aren't hitting and are cold, that really limits your offense when you think that there, there's only a certain number of guys that, that look to score – predominantly and and can put the basketball in from a few different areas so those guys performances kind of affect the entire offensive output so it's going to be telling to kind of pay attention to those two and how they continue and hopefully Pritzel can roll this into you know a nice hot shooting streak he seems like somewhat of a streaky shooter where he's really knocking down shots he's hot but when he's when he's missing he's cold and Davison sometimes has that same feel. So it'll be interesting to see how those two continue to play and find their mesh and, and hopefully stay hot as they, they get down this final stretch of the season. No doubt. Anything else basketball-related you want to cover? I know it was it was a, a great game for Wisconsin, but not, not a lot to dive into just simply from the fact that they played really well on both sides of the ball, so there's not a lot to, to divul- you know, divulge in that second half was – a little less ideal, but at the same time, when you go up into a half up 18, it, it makes it a little easier if you make some mistakes in that second half. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, it was uh, with the tribute going on at halftime for the 2000 uh, Final Four team, which, you know, that was my heyday of loving uh, Wisconsin basketball and kind of growing up. Uh, I was I was like 12 or 11 at that point. So that was one of those things that was very cool, very touching. It, it brought a lot of energy from the crowd. Uh, and then it was kind of like an emotional lull then quickly after that, it kind of deflated quickly. So the the team, I think kind of shelled up a little bit, struggled on offense. Um, but then you saw once they kind of got things going back again in the second half, they went on in a little run that uh, kind of squelched the momentum that Ohio state had had. Um, it led to Wisconsin just being able to, to take care of, of business. They missed, they only made one of their last nine shots. Um, as well, which I think is kind of um, not what you want to see because these late game uh, 
faltering uh, can come back to bite them, as we've seen in the past. Greg Gard brought it up in the post game that they've got to be better uh, in crunch time down the final few minutes. But other than that, I think overall it was a it was a great game, good bounce back opportunity, and they need to kind of parlay this forward with some more wins. Yep, exactly. You need to just keep keep this thing rolling and hopefully get on a nice little run here, like they had in that uh, you know early Big Ten conference end of non conference run that they got on. It'd be nice to rattle off you know four or five straight victories as you head towards March because the important games are coming in that Big Ten conference and of course the NCAA tournament. All right, guys, well, that wraps up our basketball discussion. We're going to go ahead and kick it over to some ads, and then we'll get into some football talk. We're going to cover the linebacker position overview. All right, guys, it's time to talk a little football. Obviously, we've already talked some basketball, not got that out of the way, but we try to work in some football in our position previews and overviews continue with the linebacker position. The position of linebacker for Wisconsin was obviously coming into this season one of senior leadership in Zach Bond and Chris Orr, and then maybe some question marks around it. But you knew coming in that you were going to get probably solid production from those two, and they were going to be the leaders of your defense. But outside of those two, there were still some questions coming into the season. But overall, this group played really well. They they had some guys show up in, in, in Jack Sanborn that looked like stars going forward. So it's kind of that rotating door for Wisconsin where they have a couple dominant linebackers, some guys get groomed and, and worked in behind them. You know, those couple guys graduate and then just kind of keeps rotating and filling the spot. So, Matt, what did you think of just kind of the overall performance from this linebacking group for Wisconsin this past season? Yeah, I mean, I thought that they played exceptionally well, especially given the fact that there was some question marks like you alluded to going into the year. You know, Chris Orr, you saw him uh be a lot more dynamic and a lot quicker after he kind of shed some weight. I think he lost like 20 pounds uh, to try to get his body right, get ready for his senior year. And and he just had an exceptional year with 11 and a half sacks and, and, you know, those two forced fumbles and he was second on the team in tackles. I thought he did great. You know, you, you brought up Zach Bond with, with another 12 and a half sacks. Those two really were able to get after the quarterback and, and brought up the pass rush um, from the year before where they had kind of struggled. They didn't get the, as nearly as much pressure, which was which led the led to the secondary being kind of put on islands and in tough situations. But man, those two really played well. And then you you look at a guy like even Noah Burks, who who mm-hmm. played you know in 14 games and started in most of them, came uh, rotated quite a bit as well. But I thought he had a really good year. And if you look at his statistics compared to what Bond did when he was a a junior they're they're kind of a parallel in in a lot of ways the tackle numbers aren't there but same number of tackles for loss same number of sacks same number of interceptions uh so it, it's one of those things where you're looking at it and like maybe this guy could kind of bounce up and and have a really good year next year when he's he's probably going to be one of your starters so i thought he played really well and and i think um, you know, we talked about Chris Orr and Zach Vaughn at nauseum about how they were probably the two most important players on the defense. But Jack Sanborn's a stud. I, I think he 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 flashed it in fall camp that he was going to be great. And he lived up to the hype in uh, every conceivable way, at least in my eyes, uh, and the linebacker position. Yeah, he had a great year. I've led the defense and tackles kind of a a role that there's always a Wisconsin linebacker who's just kind of your your cleanup guy, get the tackles. Maybe you don't make as many sacks like like Vaughn and Orr did. Orr did a great job of getting to the quarterback from that inside position, but and obviously Vaughn on the outside did a tremendous job as well. But he kind of Sanborn got that 
that underrated role where you you just kind of expected an, an eight nine game tack you know eight nine tackles a game come in lunch pail type he reminded me his season kind of reminded me of Mike Taylor the old linebacker for Wisconsin back in uh, I can't remember what years he was there but just a guy who came in with his lunch pail wrapped up his tackles and, and went to work every week so he I don't think got enough credit for the season he had just simply because he was maybe outshined at those at the stats and, and you know forced fumbles and, and things like that but he had a a great year and it should be a really exciting player for Wisconsin fans to look forward to next season yeah I, I agree with you with the Mike Taylor I think that's a, an apt comparison just because you you saw Chris Orr kind of got a lot of the love uh, similar to how Borland got a lot of the love in 2012 and 2011 with with Mike Taylor and, and I thought Sanborn had just as good of a season you know led the team in tackles but then five and a half have five and a half sacks and and three interceptions you know a fumble recovery fumble force but I mean he was really good in coverage Wisconsin uh, linebackers don't have to do a lot in terms of coverage um, most of the game they just kind of just are in that middle zone for most most of it keep things in front of you they don't have to do a lot of man-to-man and he he did a really good job of just being able to see passing lanes really instinctive and I think I think he's going to be a guy that is going to be a force next year, and he's going to be um, probably the one of the leaders. He's going to kind of jump up, and you know he's going to be a true junior next year. But he's he's definitely going to be a leader for that defense, and he's going to be maybe maybe the most uh, most uh, um, talented player on the entire defense in in some ways. Yeah, I would think so. He's he's going to be stepping into not necessarily a newer role, but he's going to take over some of that leadership role that you talked about with with or and and Vaughn being gone obviously they're going to be a a big hole to fill but there's thankfully a group of guys behind them that have have kind of gotten worked in you talked about Noah Burks and some of those other guys obviously Isaiah Green May didn't have a big season expected more out of him but he might develop he was one that we we saw a lot in in spring practice and fall practice didn't really translate into the season but he's a guy with raw athleticism that if you can if you can get that together is is going to be an important player and then you've got you know Leo Chanel who came in as a freshman didn't look anything like a freshman but played well in, in a limited role obviously he had some injuries that he dealt with throughout the season but I think there's some guys already on the roster that should fill in nicely and hopefully not not miss too many beats coming into next season. Yeah, I think there's a, there's bodies. There's guys who are mm-hmm. going to be able to to make plays and, and, and do the damage. I think Leo Chanel is probably the guy who's going to pencil in at that role next to Sanborn. And I think, I mean, those are two thumpers, um, big uh, guys who can run and, and, and are both, you know, around that 250 range. So they're, they've got some weight behind them and, and can do some stuff in coverage. You know, Chanel kind of showed what he could do as well. Um, and he's really good. I think the two of them can both uh, improve at their ability to get after the quarterback something that Chris Orr did really well. So I think that they're going to have bigger uh, pass rushing statistics next year because of that. But yeah, I mean, I think Isaiah Green May is definitely the guy to watch. Um, like you, like you said, he, he's got um, all the athleticism in the world. He's six, six, got that frame that if he can add the necessary weight um, you know, he battled that thumb injury that he happened early in the year that kind of, you know, threw everything off because he had the sack, against South Florida, but really wasn't able to get anything going again. I think the, um, he, this, the ceiling for him is, is not there. It's, he's got everything in front of him of what he can do. And, and Jalen Franklin's another guy I'm excited to see just because he, he can really come downhill and he's quick. 
So there's lots of bodies. There's a couple good freshmen coming in. There's uh, you know, even 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 uh, some of the younger guys behind them that aren't going to get talked about nearly as much, um, and necessarily didn't get the to see the field as much as they you wish they could have. Like Spencer Lytle are, mm-hmm. are going to have a chance. So in Muma Jung Meadow, so they they've got a really good influx of talent. It's just a matter of these guys kind of stepping up a ring and being ready to to take on a bigger role. Yeah, that's the that's going to be the important point, and that's going to start. You know, in spring practice, in fall practice, it's going to start every day because you think about it, those inside positions are probably Chanel and Sanborn. And one of the outside spot, I would think, is Noah Burks. He had a phenomenal season, another underrated season for the Badgers. And then there's that other outside linebacker spot that is going to be up for battle. And obviously Burks and, and they can rotate at that outside linebacker spot a little bit more. But there's there's guys there that that have to take the opportunity and obviously that breeds competition in that position group room and Jim Leonard's going to go with the guys that he feels the most confident in that'll obviously his outside linebacker position is, is about for Jim Leonard's defense getting to the quarterback and and making plays in that regard there's guys that are going to be there that that really have to seize their opportunity or it's going to go to somebody else and that's what that's what I really like about Jim Leonard's defense is that he doesn't play he doesn't pencil in guys who had a good season last year and they automatically are in there. Certainly they might have the the advantage coming in and there's a gap to close, but if a kid closes that gap and, and proves that he should be on the field, he's going to be out there. Yeah, I, I think they they do a really good job of that, of breeding that competition. And I think Nick Herbig coming in as a early enrollee and Jordan Turner as an early enrollee and even trust. Preston Zachman to a certain extent, um, I'll have a chance here as guys to try to see if they can try to get their way into the two deep. I, I, I know um, Herbig's going to probably have to add up, add some weight, but he's he's quick. Uh, if you watch his highlight tape and and Jordan Turner is just like built like he's 35 already. So it's I think they've got the guys behind them. It's just going to be a matter of, hey, can can somebody um, challenge to, to see who's going to be in the two deep next to Mikey Mascalunas or, or is it going to be Muma Jung Meta or a guy like Jordan Turner or Malik Reed? And then I, I think another thing is like, are they going to maybe mix it up a little bit and not necessarily have two guys? You saw Tyler Johnson get some run this past year and really over his entire career as a guy who rotated. Um, will, will it be Noah Burks um, on one side and then a rotation uh, in pass rushing situations with like um, Jalen Franklin. And then in, uh, in Pat and when you're trying to drop back in coverage, which isn't necessarily Jalen Franklin's game to maybe have a guy like Spencer Lytle, if he has a, uh, added the necessary weight and, and it was healthy. So they've got options. I think Jim Leonard uh, loves to toy around with things, loves to try new ideas. And I think we're going to see a lot uh, coming from the inside linebackers and pass rush, pass rush, if I can talk. Um, but <laughs> man, they, they got the bodies. And I think this is a position with a better defensive line in front of them because that group's only going to, is just a year older. They're not really losing everybody, but David Pfaff, they can they can really have a good year, I think. Yeah, that front seven has the potential to be really solid and really dangerous. I know there's a, not a lot of names. You know, coming into the season, you're not going to look at the the you know the, the projected two deep from various outlets and think, oh man, there's a there's a superstar on this defense. Zach Bond and Chris Orr were that role this past season. I certainly think Jack Sanborn is a superstar, but a different role than than what those two had. But coming in, I think there's collectively a, a really solid group that has the potential to really turn some heads and make some plays. They just haven't maybe been seen 
in that full-time, you know, lights on, pressures on, let's go type of role. Yeah, and I, I do think I think what we're going to see from Leo Chanel is is a lot of explosive plays next year. I think Sanborn's going to be your consistent. He'll probably get closer to that 100 tackle range is my guess. You know, he got 80 this year. I think it'll be even higher because I don't think the outside linebacker, I don't think Bond, a guy like is going to have uh, an outside linebacker is going to have as many tackles as Bond did. Um, but I, I think Sanborn's going to be your consistent guy. But then I think some splash plays are going to be coming from Leo Chanel as he kind of just is able to, I mean, when in fall camp, there was times when you'd see him just coming on a, on a dead eye blitz and, and nobody was stopping him. He would throw over offensive linemen and get around them like it was nothing. So he's, he is really good in that, especially with he's healthy. He's got a year under his belt, another year in the weight room to continue to get even stronger. Um, I think he's a guy who's, who's going to jump out next year in my eyes. Yeah, he's he's freaky strong. For for as young as he is, he came into fall practice this year and just wowed everyone just by his sheer size and athleticism so early on in his career. I mean, a lot of these guys come in and have to put on X amount of weight and fill out and get bigger. That's the standard for, for most college freshmen. He did not look like your prototypical college freshman. And I think that showed in his play on the field. And I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine him bearing down on you, you know, with a combo, even like Reggie Pearson at the safety position, when he maybe comes on a safety blitz, a, a combo of, of Chanel and Pearson bearing down on you has to make opposing quarterbacks ungodly nervous. I know I would be. Yeah, I would I would assume so, and I, I think this defense is going to be um, is going to be good, especially if they can figure out the pass rush. I think I think they're going to be fine in their run fits. The the pass rush you, you have to expect some guys are going to bump up, which I think they will. They generally do, um, and and stars will emerge, like you said. So I'm I'm excited to see what this linebacker group can do because they've got the talent. It's just a matter of putting it together and and, and seeing what some of these young guys can do as they as they get a year older and and make some plays yeah they're they're an exciting group and it's going to be from the jump in spring practice it's going to be a a position to watch especially those you know those outside positions that maybe aren't fully entrenched and I think Bobby April and and Bob Basta do a great job of of developing those guys and and turning them into solid players so it's going to be an exciting group to to pay attention to and one of the more that maybe have some question marks, but not necessarily any huge concerns. And I think that's what's exciting because you have you have a lot of talented players there that are ready to make a splash. And if you're a Wisconsin football fan, maybe you don't know the names completely, but I think you'll have a pre- there's a pretty good chance you'll learn some of these names very fast come the 2020 season. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, who do you think is, if you had to like put money down, I know you're a better um, – if you had to put money down, who do you think is going to be the the starting the starting four, and then who are the four deep or the two deep behind them? I would say in the starting position, you're going to have, like we mentioned already, I think you have to have Sanborn, Chanel, Burks. I think on the outside has has earned that spot, and it's I think he's going to be one to pay attention to in terms of development. I think right now he's the guy on one of the outsides just simply because of what we saw last year and you expect him to only get better. And then on the other outside, that one is is a little confusing and, and cloudy because I think in pass rushing downs, Green May looks like the guy with his size, his length, his athleticism. But at the same time, we, we thought that this year, and, and granted he was a little light on weight, but 
it, it didn't really translate. So it's going to really come down to, I think, that last position of who who really makes that jump and, and jumps in there. Behind them, I think it's it's a whole ball game of, of that entire group that we've already touched on. You know, Mascalunas, the young guys, and Jordan Turner could be a guy on the inside. There's there's a lot of potential openings in that two deep, and thankfully Jim Leonard rotates his linebackers when he can. So I think there's some serious opportunity for a lot of different names in the in the backup role. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Definitely on the inside, I think Leo Chanel and um, Sanborn are going to be the guys. I, I would be shocked if that didn't happen. I think Mikey Mascalunas will get rotational play um, as a senior. He's He can really make some plays for them. Um, and I think he's locked in at least uh, in the two deep there. And then it's a battle really between Muma Jongmeta and the two incoming mm-hmm. freshmen at inside linebacker, or really three, because I know um, Preston Zachman's a guy who's going to probably play on the inside as well. So really those three fre- – the three uh, – uh, two incoming freshmen, uh, or three incoming freshmen, if I can count, and um, and Muma John Meta are going to be going against each other for that last spot. I'd probably lean towards Jordan Turner just because I really like what he has on film and and mm-hmm. what he brings to the table as a thumper and and really comes downhill and really smart. Um, but then on the outside, I think I agree with you that it's probably going to be Burks, and then um, I think I actually think it'll be Green May. I think he'll be the guy. Um, but then behind them, I think it'll be, I think, uh, Jalen Franklin and Spencer Lytle will be the two guys, but then you never know with a couple with Caden Johnson and, uh, and Aaron Witt and Herbig all coming in that maybe one of those guys can, can make a play for one of those spots and, and really, you know, shine because we've seen guys come in and, and kind of wow people. And I think Herbig has the pass rush ability to do it especially if he comes in a little bit heavier than the 215 he's listed at um, on his recruiting profile. So, if, I mean, if he can come in at like 230, he's going to have himself a shot at uh, contributing in passing downs because he is so dynamic as a pass rusher. And really, I think he was maybe um, – I, th- I think Jalen Berger is probably the most important player that they ha- got committed, but I think he's probably the second most just because of what he really brings to the table uh, and what he could be down the road. Yeah, exactly. He he has he shows a lot of potential on his tape. And then the nice thing for Herbig and Turner and Zachman, those guys are enrolled. So they're going to get not necessarily a leg up, but they're getting in there. They're getting in the system. They're learning the playbook. They're putting on the weight and, and getting into the weight room programs that you so desperately need as freshmen. So they they definitely, I think, have a really good chance to see the field. And obviously we never we never hope for injuries in any case, but there's likely guys that are maybe going to go down even for a couple days where other guys are going to get reps. So this, this room of linebackers is really exciting and there's a lot of opportunity in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of pivoting. I know we didn't really talk about this, but have you seen the whole D'Antonio uh, stuff going on at Michigan state and their coaching search? Yeah, that's all pretty interesting. I, I can't fault Mark D'Antonio. I know he resigned shortly after taking his bonus and, as as shady as it is, I think most college coaches would do it simply because they feel like they've earned that money. And then, of course, the the black cloud of, of recruiting violations that are starting to follow them. But it's one that's going to be interesting, and it's a it's an interesting program because Mark D'Antonio had so much success there. But really, Michigan State isn't normally a a Big Ten powerhouse. They've they've kind of really developed from that solid coaching. So I'm not sure. I saw Brett Bielema 
was interested in, yeah. <laughs> in the job today. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are interested. That doesn't mean you're going to get it. But it's it's kind of a tough timing for, for Michigan State when you consider the fact that they are, you know, it, it happened right before National Signing Day. I don't think I remember seeing too many, you know, prospects pivot or anything like that. But it's still going into college and, and the guy that you recruited is has now left. That's got to be it's going to probably take some time and, and be a weird transition for sure. Yeah. And I mean, they got turned down by Fickle, it sounds like they got turned down by, um, you know, Matt Campbell. They got turned down. So they're getting turned down by a lot of teams right? or, or a lot of coaches right now who you'd think would probably be interested in it but it's just kind of telling by just how bad these last couple of years have been and kind of all the tumultuous stuff that's going on um you know with the their football team and really their athletic department in general so I, I think it would honestly be just freaking awesome if Bielema got the job I just think all the the caskets that could be brought out from people saying all these things that were Michigan State fans about him when he was at Wisconsin would just be hilarious to bring back to light and uh, kind of put put some of that going because man Bielema uh, for whatever people think of him as a person which is which is something all in itself he he uh, he had some good years at Wisconsin and and, uh, and uh, he's not afraid to try to go put up 83 on a team and go for a two point conversion when uh, the sheet tells him to. Exactly. He's, you know, it sounds crazy to think that Brett Bielema would be <laughs> coaching a, a big time program again, simply because of the disaster and demise that was Arkansas for him. But he, he, he did the, you know, go to the NFL, rebuild your image, learn from Bill Belichick and, and that group and the Patriots. So, Maybe it's possible that 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 a college like Michigan State that is is maybe looking for a safe bet of a guy who's been there and done it. Maybe don't maybe they don't make a big splash. But I never thought Mark D'Antonio was a super polarizing guy that that attracts kids in there. So maybe they're just looking for a stable a you know stable coaching hire. And and Brett Bielema for for all the knocks that he has would be that he's coached a lot of college football. It's just a matter of you know, backing that up with wins and losses which he didn't do at Arkansas yeah for sure that'll be interesting to pay attention obviously we'll uh, get more into that as we keep rolling on anything else you want to talk about college football wise uh nothing really I'm just I'm just interested in to see when uh spring ball comes out they haven't released it yet but usually it's it's right around uh, the end of February early March going into April so we should be hearing probably in the next couple weeks they usually announce it in late February for March and April. So we're getting closer here, folks, for, for more football news. Getting close, and, and I can't wait for that to get here. Even even if it's just spring ball, it, it all goes in the right direction and, and starts it up again. So obviously we talked about the linebacker position, exciting group. There's a couple other ones that are really exciting, and spring ball is going to make a big difference in that as the season creeps ever closer. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We are expecting to roll out a second show for you guys this week with basketball not playing again until Saturday. A little bit of a gap, but Matt and I are going to knock our heads together and we'll figure something out for a possible second show. And yeah, thank you guys for always listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Wisconsin.